What's up? This is a special edition of Marsha's Plate where we review the show Pose on FX. All right? Uh, what Diana say? Don't call the doctor. Don't call the mama. Don't call the preacher. I don't need it. Hey. Welcome back to Marsha's Plate. Make sure if you join the conversation, you hashtag Marsha's Plate and pose FX. Um, we're going to cover a lot of topics. This episode was really deep, um, heartfelt. So if you hear us talking about anything and you have something to add, make sure you hashtag us. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Facebook. We are under... M-A-R-S-H-A-S-P-L-A-T-E. That's M-A-R-S-H-A-S-P-L-A-T-E. Hashtag us. We don't care if you agree or disagree. We just want to hear your opinion. So, you know, come join the conversation. Hey, what's up? This is your girl, Diamond. So I am recording this review by myself because it has been a crazy, crazy schedule. And um, I've been out of town and just doing a lot of stuff. You know, I am an organizer. And this is the life of a black trans gra- grassroots organizing bitch like myself. So I've been doing a lot of stuff. And me and Brian's um, schedule um, couldn't work out this week. So I'm going to be recording it by myself. So, okay, let's get started. <laughs> So this episode starts off with a news broadcast, like a live scene with a news broadcast of a line of ladies signing up for Damon's Vogue um, class at the YMCA. So it's a long line. They are excited. It's almost like they're going to a concert, bitch. And it's, it's what you see is early stages of, you know, culture culture vulturing. <laughs> so, and this is not new, especially when it comes to dances, but because a lot of dances that had the craze, um, that had a craze like Vogue did, comes from marginalized communities. So let's take us a stroll down memory lane on some of those dances. The first dance we're going to talk about is the Charleston. So the Charleston became popular in the 20s. It Its origin is slavery <laughs> and slave plantations. Um, it was a lot of times where during gatherings, the slaves were used as entertainments. But when the masters got a whiff that they were actually using um, drums and stuff to communicate because, of course, the Yoruba people, Haitian people, and, you know, that kind of stuff. They used drums. You know, the Haitians did the revolution. They were the only successful slave revolt in history. <laughs> so during that, during that revolt, they used things like drums to communicate with people. So when the masters on the mainland got to got a whiff that the, the drums was helping these niggas get free, <laughs> they, 
they were like, oh, keep the get the drums out. All these motherfuckers do is play fiddle. <laughs> oh, they get, oh, they can talk through fiddle? Fuck that shit. Take all the instruments out. So slaves being the the ingenious people that they are started to do um use their body as drums they started to do dances that are that were a dance that was called particularly the juba j-u-b-a and juba actually started in charleston south carolina where an actual congolese slave tribe was on a plantation there and side note, this these could be my ancestors because when I did my DNA, it traced it all the way back to some slaves and they were Congolese in their DNA. So shout out to the Congolese people from that funky ass um, Charleston plantation. So the Charleston evolved from these silent kicks these pats on your knee, pats on your chest. It almost, the jujuba almost looks like the original, almost looks like what we see um, at stomp yards. Like when we when we see, like if you are a HBCU person and you see your um, sororities and your fraternities do stomps and, um, you know, like on the movie Stomp the Yard, that it looks like that where they're patting their chest. <laughs> All that kind of shit, I can't do it. <laughs> but when they're stomping and doing, even in the military, when they do the military lines where they're doing the um the, the like it's step shows or whatever, so it kind of reminds you of that. But remember, it's no instruments, no drums, so they are using their bodies, and so it's kind of interesting how that man that still um, manifests in our culture throughout the day, throughout even now to the current time. It changed and metamorphed into what the Charleston looks like now because there was an actual song in the 1920s that made it popular and um, people like Josephine Baker doing it made it popular. And we know that Josephine was a popular queer feminist icon. So the Charleston evolved into the Lindy Hop. So the Lindy Hop is a two-people... Um, dance where they kind of swinging each other around and kicking and doing all this kind of stuff. There was a couple of times that you have seen this in recent culture. If you have seen school days when they when um they were doing talk about good and bad hair, when they were doing the swing dancing and that, you see a lot of the um Lindy Hop in that. When you, if you've seen the movie called A League of Their Own, with that had Rosa McDonald and um um and Madonna in it, speaking of Vogue, um, had Madonna in it. And when they ran, not ran, when they snuck out of the little hotels while they were playing, the girls snuck out of hotels while they were playing basketball and went and danced. When they were doing the fast dance where the guys would swing the girls through their legs and spin them around and kick and doom, 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 doom. This, it's called the Lindy Hop. Look it up. This is a, <laughs> a voice program, so I can't show you what it's like. But y'all have seen it. It's like when they spin the girls around and do all this kind of stuff, and you've seen it. And it became popular out of the Harlem Renaissance. And it is one of those dances that challenged segregation because this was such a fun dance and it required two people that when you were in spaces with black and white people where everybody was trying to learn this dance and do this dance, sometimes people would take the chance 
and say, fuck it. You know how to do it. You know how to do it. You black, I'm white, but we know how to wear this dance out. So we about to do it on this floor. Come on, wear it out. And so it challenged the, the it challenged segregation in a way that even years later other dances did. Um, but jazz, because jazz had such a jazz and swing and all these things that were coming out of the Harlem Renaissance, it was such the new age stuff. It was you know it was it, it's in the same way that rap. rap in the 80s was looked down on by the mainstream like oh that hippity hop da 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 jazz was like that too jazz was something that was considered you know demonic it was something that was considered like devil music and not real music uncivilized unrefined and just negative 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 when it comes to jazz which is really really kind of wild if you think about it because nowadays jazz is associated with maturity and class and refinement and you know if you have taste for jazz you would you know you the you know you're you're intellectual you're smart you all you're all these things (laughs) you know jazz is now considered something for the old people kind of you feel what i'm saying but here we are (laughs) creating culture and building from it some of the amazing works because some of our greatest composer of our times either come out of this era or were tutored by people who come out of this era like um quincy jones um um ella fitzgerald all like the greats anyway all right, so we had the Charleston transform into the Lindy Hop. The Lindy Hop transforming. This all just goes over time. Um, transforming to swing dancing. Swing dancing transforming to the jitterbug by the 30s. Um, then we get to like the 40s and the mambo was a dance craze. The mambo was this um, was actually like a fusion of Cuban dance. Um, Cuban music and American swing dance. So it kind of, here we go again, coming out of the Caribbean, um, and it made this craze. It was made popular by um, uh, at a La Tropicana nightclub in the 1940s um, because it was performed by Perez Prado um, Havana, and it just became this dance craze out of jazz and Cuban because... Jazz was affecting people all over the world, <laughs> including Europe. And, um, you know, whatever mixed the sounds of Cuba and jazz, and then they start making a dance, the people of that culture and people, um, culture vultured it, and it just starts to be a craze. So we go into um, the cha-cha. You know, when we do the cha-cha slide, when we do the cha-cha, that cha-cha started, that was a dance craze that come from the 50s. Some English dance teacher visited Havana and brought it back like it was his. He returned to Britain. He began to teach those steps in England. repackaged their shit and sold it to Caribbean, <laughs> the sold the Caribbean shit to white folks in English as if it was his. Oh, classic culture vulturing. 
So, we can't talk about dance crazes without talking about the twist. So, come on, baby. Mm, 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 mm. Let's do the twist. Mm, mm, mm. Come on, baby. Let's do the twist. Mm, mm, mm. Take me by my little hand uh, uh, and do like this. Mm, mm. Yes. <laughs> so, that song was written by Hank Ballard. Um, he was a black musician, and but that crazy didn't start. It didn't get popular until T- Chubby Checker did the song and the dance on the popular Dick um, Dick Clark show. So doing Dick Clark was like um, the white Don Cornelius. So you know how epic um, – um, Soul Train was for our culture. Dick Clark's show was epic for the white people. This song was associated with like rock and roll. And this was a time when rock and roll was like rap. It was the new rap and jazz. It was the new devil music. The new music that the kids shouldn't be listening to. Music that um, the white people and the Christians and the good, respectable folks said that this is bad music. There's always a generation. In every generation, there's always music that is deemed bad. So, like, right now, it would might be, um, like, New Age pop or mumble rap or uh, drug rap, drug hip-hop, trap music. I, I don't know. Whatever is the deemed the bad music right now (laughs) the people that the old folks are like "Eh -eh." back in my day (laughs) we used to rap about something (laughs) all that kind of stuff so um rock and roll at the time was the the music that was demonized anything the black folks was doing was demonized (laughs) and um, this dance was associated with that. And of course, the young people loved it, and the old people was like, Mm-mm, you moving them hips and twirling them cakes? Oh no, ma'am. The devil. So we moved from the twist to the mashed potato, which um, got popular in the 1960s. But actually, James Brown is the one who started the dance and started to perform the dance. Um, in like, like the late 50s, but you know, people started to, he was like the Michael Jackson of this era. He was the black superstar of this era, James Brown. Well, you should know who James Brown is. Um, he was the black superstar of this era. So people would steal a lot of his shit, (laughs) steal a lot of his swag. And so people act like, um, Billy Thorpe, um, um, D.D. Sharp, um, Nat Hendricks, The Swans, they all wrote versions of the mashed potatoes with a corresponding dance that was similar to the mashed potatoes. But father, godfather of soul, James Brown is the originator of it. So it goes to the mashed potato. Then, so that brings us to the 60s, 70s, and 80s. And one of the most popular dance crazes around that time was the robot that has a still lasting effect, the robot. So the robot came from um, a street dancer named Charles Washington from Compton, California. Um, He was inspired by watching um, like Silent Mimes, M-I-M-E. He 
Used to, he he would battle street dance battle people um, on the street, and one of his homegirls was a Soul Train dancer, and she brought him to Soul Train, and he started doing his robot moves on the Soul Train. That led to people like um, Michael Jackson and the Jackson Five seeing him do that stuff on the um um on Soul Train in like nineteen. 19- you know, like the late 60s, and then by like 74, they were doing it in their show, in the when they were doing Dancing Machine. Dancing, dancing, dancing machine. <laughs> so you remember that um that classic video of the Jackson 5 doing um the robot. So now, you know, you you see um what's it what's his name? Offset doing his robot moves on the BET Awards, and you know, that has now that type of style of moving your body in a way that looks mechanical comes from that era it just has evolved to what we know it now from the robot we go to like popping we go to locking we go to um you know when we think about the hustle when we think about disco dancing when we think about um the electric slide when we think about the YMCA, um, break dancing, mosh pitting, thriller, um, when we think about the moonwalk, when we think about um, the running man, the Humpty Dance, Vogan. So I, I'm giving you all of these histories of dances because I want you to understand that black folks has been the innovators of uh of <laughs> pop culture for years <laughs> like there is nothing in the arts and in this culture that has not either originated or um inspired art in this culture like it, it's just what it is <laughs> it's just the facts of the matter when we talk about the fabric and culture of America, you cannot take black folks' contributions out of the culture of America. Oh my God, I want to thank all of our new patrons this week. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So not only are you helping to sustain this particular podcast, you know, I also donate to other podcasts. I donate to other organizations. I have my finger on the post of the community. And I know a lot of grassroots organizations that are doing great work out here. So you're not only helping to sustain us, you're helping to sustain other people in a community. Because I put my money where my mouth is. You know, that's just the kind of bitch I am. Community is fuck. (laughs) So thank you. I really, really appreciate you. And if you have not become a patron, why have you not? You can donate as low as a dollar a month. It doesn't matter. Anything helps. Please. Do I have to play Sarah McLaughlin and show you puppies? Like, what do I have to do? Do I have to do resort to what the white people do to get you to give them money? (laughs) All righty. Anyway, thank y'all. And the Patreon and PayPal link is at the bottom. Back to the show. So let's get back to talking about Pose. So seeing these ladies in line waiting for um, Damon's 
YMCA, YMCA classes and um, them wanting to learn this dance. This is not something that is new to our culture. Somebody trying to get in on what black folks are doing. It is just the norm. So that's what it reminded me of. It reminded me of, you know, how I'm sure somebody felt in the 20s, how I'm sure somebody felt in the 40s, how I'm sure sure somebody felt in the 60s, how I'm sure somebody felt in the 70s, and so on and so on and so on, because this is rather quite normal in regards to our culture and the, the meiosis that happens when it comes to black people doing their magic and it growing so big and going and dispersing into the world to give bland America its flavor. Damon is teaching his class and somebody, a talent scout comes in and was like, yo, I really like what you're doing. We're going to skip you to the line. We want you to be one of the people that audition. So Damon is excited as hell. He goes back home and tells Blanca that he got this idea, that he got this opportunity to be on Madonna's Blonde Ambition Tour. But also, Ricky, in the house of Wintour, also gets the opportunity as well. So both of them go home to tell their mothers. Ricky goes and tells Electra. Um, Damon goes and tells Blanca. So in these scenes of them back, going back and forth, telling, um, telling, spilling the news about the opportunity, you really get to, it, they really showcase the differences in Blanca's parenting style and Electra's parenting style. Electra is more me, 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 me. I'm going to provide for you. But the point of me providing is so that you can give me glory. The point of me providing you with this place to stay is so you all can be my minions and do my bidding for my advancement. Whereas Blanca is the opposite. She is more of a community-ass bitch. She is more of, I know that you being successful is going to shine a light on all of us and we all want to grow. We all want legacy. We all, um, I think you're amazing. You are talented. Nobody can do this but you and you are the greatest. It's it's more inspiring a person to you be who they are. She just has a more healthy way of expressing her motherhood. And so you really get to see how shady and selfish and self-centered that Electra is. Not that we didn't know from <laughs> last season or this season. Um, you know, that's just how Electra is. But also what I want to point out is the position of the children. Since we're comparing um, Blanca and Electra, we have to compare compare the children. So... You see the response of Angel. You see the response of Poppy. You see the response of Damon. So they really are out here living their best lives and doing what they, following their dreams. Angel is out here fucking modeling and getting different modeling gigs. Damon is almost about to graduate dancing school and with this potential of the Blind Ambition Tour. Um, Poppy is not selling drugs. He taking extra shit for his job. 
we haven't really explored Poppy's dreams yet, but he's more stable and doing something more legal um, instead of being out sleeping on the park bench or being out with them selling drugs for these motherfuckers that don't give a fuck about him. So even him, he has changed his, his he has changed his way of life to be a more safer way of life. And so how they show up for Blanca is just going to be different as opposed to the other girls in um, the other girls and guys in Electric's Electra's house. You can see when they were when she was talking, how she was talking, how they were rolling their eyes, how they were like, "Mm, okay, that really this is an opportunity for them to have some clout in the ballroom. This the real world could be or could be not giving them opportunities, but really this is ballroom because she's not inspiring them outside of, in my, in my imagination, she's not, because this is Electra, she's not inspiring them to go outside and be something great. She's inspiring them to be great for her so that she, so we can shine in this ballroom scene because in Electra's life, the ballroom is her life. This is where I get my rise. This is where I get my spotlight this is where i get my validation so everything you do should be revolving around me and what i do in the ball and so these kids just like in real life ball scene they're just trying to have some kind of validation and some kind of life and some type of community and so they could be under the tutelage of somebody who is trash like electra and they're just they need a place to stay. So, yes, they deal with her narcissism and her not giving a fuck about them and her um, making them do risky shit like rob the Santa Claus for the um, for the money because they're just trying to find a place in the world. They're trying to find a place in the ball scene. And so they will be get with somebody like Electra because you don't know who you're getting. Who is going to resonate with you? You don't know who you're going to run into first. You might like Father Mizrahi. You might like um, um, Father Ebony. But if Father Ebony is shady and you meet him first and he draws to you and he's not going to be shady at first, he's going to be nice and be like, oh, you're sickening. You're beat. Oh, you can dance or you can walk realness. So whatever you have that he thinks um, can get him trophies. He's going to be nice to get you in his house, but he could be trash. He could be just trying to fuck you. He could be trying to get you little cookies. <laughs> he could be trying to just, you get what I'm saying? He could be doing inappropriate things with you, which they really haven't explored because there's a lot of um, sexual manipulation that happens in the ball scene, and they haven't explored that yet, so I don't know if they're going to explore that, but um, a lot of predatory behavior happening in the ball scene in regards to mother and fathering and you can't be in my house unless I get to fuck. I, I fucked all my kids and all that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of predatory behavior in the ball scene and I want to know if they are going to explore that because they have not. But yeah, so you'll, you'll run into the bad person and then later on you run into a good one. Um... But you don't know who you're going to go to first. So you might get one like Damon. He, oh, first one he ran into is a Blanca type of mother. You see what I'm saying? So some some people are lucky. Some people are unlucky. Um, then Ricky, you fuck up you because you're doing shady shit. Not, not anything to the house. But because you broke up with Damon, you, 
now you're out of the evangelista house. Now you got to go to another house that is shady. So you went from a good house to a bad house in regards to how they actually care for you. You see what I'm saying? Um, and then some people value winning over the actual care of the family. So if I don't want to be in this house, fuck if, if Blanca is giving me these pep talks and blah, 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 blah. You're not winning no motherfucking trophies. <laughs> so I'm going to go to win tour because they win trophies. I want to win trophies like them. So, yeah, I'll deal with <laughs> Blanca's bullshit. I mean, um, Electra's bullshit if I'm winning. If she's helping me win trophies and get more clout in the community, then, bitch, that pep talk shit is tired. I'm trying to get these trophies, bitch. And so I'm going to go over here and be belittled and, you know, and deal with the consequences later. <laughs> so because Damon is in school, Blanca, because she has respect for Helena, the um, dance teacher at the school, she was like, well, I want you to do this, but you only got a few semesters of school, so only way I'm going to let you do it is if you get permission from Helena. If she say it's cool, I know it's cool. And so he goes, and he's in the middle of rehearsal, and he offers to talk to her so she can so she can give you know her blessing so that he can tell Blanca that you know she gave me my, my blessing and so he goes to Helena and Helena represents a certain time a certain type of person in dance history in New York one of those people she's like a female version of Alvin Ailey Alvin Ailey was a protege of who Helena mentioned. Helena is a fictional character, um, of course. Um, but Helena mentioned when she was talking to Damon, and Damon was like, this is an amazing opportunity. I just want somebody to, you know, this to, to give me the opportunity and give me the validation that I'm good enough. And she was like, Damon, I already know that you're good enough. But. I also know the feeling. Don't think that I don't know the feeling. I remember the feeling when I became, um, when I got invited by Lester Horton to his company, to his dance company. It was the same type of opportunity as a black woman because at the time, you know, being a black woman in a dance company was groundbreaking for her. You feel what I'm saying? So that meant something. That was an opportunity that would be similar in her era to being on the Blonde Ambitious Blonde Ambition Tour. And so I want to talk about Alvin Haley because this is somebody you, you need to know in dance history because they made dance history. So Alvin Haley was a protege of Lester Horton and his dance company. Lester Horton was a white man, but... At this era in time, these dance companies, because of racism, were the ones that were getting the shine. So letting some black dancer into your, to segregate into your company was kind of groundbreaking. He was born in the 30s and in Texas, ow, Texas. Um, he was born in Roger, Texas, and his father abandoned them when he was young, about six months old, and they lived through 
the Great Depression. So him and his mother moved around quite often because it was hard for finding work. He grew up during a time of, of course, racial segregation. Um, there was lynching. There was all kinds of shit. <laughs> so they end up moving to Los Angeles, California. After moving to California, and as he got older and got out of school and all that kind of stuff, he really became a serious actor around like 1950, 1949, where his high school friend introduced him to a Hollywood studio of Lester Horton, who Helena in the scene with Damon mentioned. So he was a protege of Horton. And so Horton was, a what he learned at this Horton School of Dance, basically, was, um, you know, the craft. And uh, Horton became his mentor, um, giving him both the technique and the foundation, which would grow him into this artistic master. I'm trying to give you culturally... Alvin Ailey's dance company revolutionized what we know today as modern dance because it included the participation of African-Americans. It just changed the scene by including us, and even his company became nicknamed as the cultural ambassador of the world. Even later, years down the line, after he passed away, Barack Obama gave him the Presidential Medal of Freedom. He had um, received the Kennedy Honors in 1988. Um, he has gotten countless awards because he's just somebody who just changed um, choreography. You cannot talk about modern dance without talking about the contributions of Alvin Ailey. You just really can't. Um, he has... Uh, American Dance Theater in New York. And so if you are in New York, you can go check him out. Not check him out, but go check um, the theater out. Um, they still have programming and stuff like that. Ailey's Dancer came to his company with training from various other schools and techniques of dance, like from ballet, um, modern to jazz, and later on hip-hop. He was unique in that he did not train his dancer in a specific technique before they performed his choreography. He approached his dancers more in the matter of jazz. Conductor does require them to infuse his, choreogra his choreography with their personal style that best suit their individual talents. You see what I'm saying? So, um... If you're good at something and you do something in a special way, I want you to take my choreography <laughs> and do it in your special way. So that's just what you do. So it made his um, his technique more of like a jambalaya and interesting and 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 unique. And people who come from different training thoughts could come into his school and be great because hey. I can do what I learned in in ballet. I can do what I learned in jazz. I can do what I learned in modern dance. I can do what I, whatever I learned and come do your technique in my way and do your choreography, not technique, um, your choreography in my way. And 
it just was revolutionary because it just took people out of these rigid, strict ways of thinking about dance and let them just be free in the way they um, they have learned to express themselves in their particular technique. So when Helena is talking to Damon about relating to his story, she is representing a combination of people who made marks in um, modern dance. So of course, we have to talk about the women of modern dance, of the black women of modern dance, who really were also pioneers. The this would the two major people in modern dance that were black women that their contribution to it was immeasurable is going to be Catherine Dunham and Pearl Primus. So both of them were academics. Um, they were um, dancers. They spent a great deal of time doing like research and researching the origins of black dance in the USA. Um, they both toured like Britain with great success. In particular, Dunham researched her dance from like Haiti, Jamaica, Trinidad. Um, she believed that black dance should be equal status of white European traditional stance and wanted to, um, you know, she wanted a technique that developed ballet, that developed and drew from ballet and modern dance. She founded a school. Um, you know, she just, she's just that bitch. <laughs> when it comes to dance, she is a name that a lot of people, um, a lot of people know another person would be um arthur mitchell all of these people influence people like that we know now as like the dance legends like gregory gregory hines um who was a tap dancer um debbie allen that's felicia Rasad's sister if you don't know her um debbie allen um just all of these amazing dance talents um um eartha kitt um, that's the only thing I can, the only people I can think of now, but like these people, when it comes to dance and America, the history, it's history in America. These are black people who really made a mark to change how we view dance and how we see dance in the fabric of American culture. Ricky and Damon being cleaned up for their audition on for for the blonde ambition tour we uh, this is another scene and area where we see the difference in how blanca mothers and how um electra mothers uh, same exact thing she's be, uh, electra is being much much more me 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 um have everybody else do all the work and then the benefits of the work <laughs> you know should be me, 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 me. And then she tells um, Ricky, if you don't win this, you might as well not come back. Because <laughs> you're not adding value to, I'm investing in you and you're not in, adding value to the house. So stay away, go back to um, bumfuck ass um, <laughs> House of Evangelista <laughs> with their macaroni. <laughs> they had another bowl of macaroni or some kind of um, hamburger help or noodle shit <laughs> that she put. 
But on this particular scene, they actually was the morning and they had bacon, eggs, and toast. Yes. She said, yes, we go give them a special breakfast. <laughs> Ask me why I keep looking at the food. I don't know. It was when I seen the pots of macaroni for the repast. I can't do nothing but listen, <laughs> but look at the food. <laughs> they go to a scene where Ricky is with his little breezy, the little dude that he cheated on Damon with. He is laying up with him and he's practicing and oh boy is like you know come give me that dick um you come give me that dick ain't gonna stop you from getting your um <laughs> ain't gonna do nothing when it comes to your audition and ricky is like yo i'm trying to preserve my energy so that i can give my best to this fucking audition we got a real chance and he was like oh honey girl <laughs> what's up with that dick though so ricky is like so he so he kind of gets mad and he kind of goes off on ricky like you really ain't shit you sitting over there being a follower you letting electra talk shit to you and run you down to the ground and you know all he's really reading him in a way that's kind of the truth <laughs> but ricky knowing that it's the truth he he kind of flips it on him was like, well, you ain't shit either because look at you doing the same thing, talking down on me, and I wish I would have stayed with Damon. I can't believe that I fucked up my relationship for your trash ass and blah, 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 blah. So Ricky ended up leaving the house, and they ended up getting into it, and so he leaves the house, and so he broke up with him. <laughs> the scene goes to before the ball starts. Electra <laughs> has an epiphany, and she uses candy as the inspiration of this epiphany she clearly doesn't have any faith in ricky's ability to be able to outperform damon at the event or at this particular ball this is their first time being able to practice before the actual audition and she has no faith in ricky that is going to win against damon so she pulls out Candy's hammer girl and commenced to con telling her children that they need to take this hammer and bust up Damon's foot <laughs> because Candy knew how to take action. She wasn't very smart, but she knew how to take action and do what needed to be done. So Electra was like, y'all need to do what needs to be done and Here's the hammer. Bust up, bust up his foot so he can lose and not be any kind of competition at the audition. Serving us Tanya Harding cunt. Some of the kids were like, sure. <laughs> and some of the kids was like, uh, no, th this is kind of going too far. And of course, Electra didn't like that. And so she was like, well, you know, let me um, put a little, uh, you know, raise the stakes a little bit. She was like, if you, whoever does the foot busting, <laughs> whoever fuck up this nigga feet, y'all get to go to, with me to with Madonna at her um, birthday party or whatever. So that makes them think about it. And so as the ball starts, we see um, a runway and then they call the category that Ricky and Damon are going to um, walk, which is um, Butch Queen Vogue Femme. But before it, the category starts, Poppy and Angel run up to Blanca and tell her, come back to the back, the dressing room or whatever. So when they come back there, 
one of the ball hoppers, <laughs> I don't can't remember his name, he tells Blanca, he had already told Poppy, and then Poppy pulls her in so that he can tell her, tells her, the family of Angelistas about what Electra is trying to do. Bust up Damon's feet and just not playing fair. So, of course, Blanca being the pit bull of a mother, caring mother that she is, she goes out there and confronts Electra like, bitch... Like, what the fuck are you thinking? Like, I know that they're telling the truth because you a shady-ass bitch like this. <laughs> but what the fuck? Like, if they get this opportunity, it's going to shine a light on all of us. So if you don't stop trying to be, if no matter who wins, it's going to shine a light on all of us. So why are you being so fucking extra about this situation? So... She convinces Electra to um, call off her dogs, as she says, and get, she gets the hammer from the daughter. And um, they actually are able to vogue and compete fairly. So Ricky actually does pretty well. He does not. He does not do well enough to beat um, Damon. There was a little. Um, this was a little example, kind of pray tell. Let's give you an example. Um, he said, pray tell said, when um, Damon won, pray tell said, sometimes the child pay for the sins of the daughter. So it gives you kind of a glimpse into the politics of the judges panel. As a viewer of the show, when you're watching Pose, you might be looking at the judges panel wondering why are these particular people the judges? How do they get chosen? How do they come up with their scores? How do they come up? What's the standards? Blah, 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 blah. Every category and um, has a standard of what they are looking for in that particular category. One of those standards is the effect. So when we talk about the effect, the effect is the theme when Pray Tell says, bring it like something, you know, so he could say, I'm trying to think of something that already happened. Oh, remember a couple episodes ago when he said, bring it like an angel with feathers. You feel what I'm saying? Bring it like an angel with feathers or something like that. And Candy had them little styrofoam feathers. And then um, Electra did like this amazing, um, this amazing little thing where she was coming out the, uh, the, the clam so there's a specific type of effect and you're supposed to make your own interpretation of that particular effect and so in that particular category like even in the very first episode you're supposed to bring it like royalty so that's why Electra went to that museum and stole those authentic royalty um garments so they can come into the ball and slay it with a sickening effect and so the effect is like almost like the theme of whatever the category is um but within a category sometimes there are elements that the judges is scoring and so the elements would be like the dog walk how you do your hands how you do your dips those particular elements of that particular category um and each category has elements that you have to have that you can kind of play on like um like the the effect you're playing on the creativity but the elements 
you how you deliver these particular classic elements is your particular style. So like Laomi um doing the head spin and how she dips and just Laomi is a, a person who is a perfect example of taking the old classics and making her own and adding her own twist and adding her own technique to the elements to make her a classic vulgar, a classic bossing dancer um, of the new era. Um, so hope I explained that well enough for you to understand. So most people who are, judges they are experienced in the ball scene so they know the elements they know what to look for in regards to the effect usually it's people who are ballroom vets who have be who have um walked the balls themselves who know what to look for so they are they have um the experience to be on a judge's panel but in a perfect world you would only be being judged by how you perform and your creativity, but this isn't a perfect world. And sometimes you could be battling against somebody and one of the judges on the judges panel doesn't like your house mother. And so they will purposely score you bad so that you can lose. <laughs> and this is the politics of the ball scene. So if you are not... um if you're not playing the political game, sometimes that can affect your advancement to icon, statement, and legendary status in the ball team because you are not playing the political game right. And so you could have got in a house where somebody doesn't like your house. You could have got, uh, and it could be an uphill battle in order in order for you to stay in that house and grow in your status. Um because there are politics of the ball scene. So I hope that explains a little bit of that. So Damon wins the trophy. At the end of the ball, when everybody's gone home, you see Ricky kind of a little drunk, trying to holler at this little boy, and the boy dusts him down. And so Damon sees it, and they have this little moment. And... Damon is like, you know, you really need to stop drinking. You really trying to get this position. So, yo, let's, you know, Damon is doing, Damon is being the guy friend, the, the, the boyfriend type who is actually care for you, who actually cares about your future, who actually sees potential in you. And so he, uh, he's, you know, just giving you good advice as opposed to the other dude who was just trash, just wants your dick, and he doesn't care about your future. <laughs> the same way that Blanca and Electra was comparing, this also compares Damon's way of being a boyfriend and um, the other dude who was trash that was kind of judgmental and blah, 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 comparing those kind of two things. And it kind of resonates with Ricky. So Ricky tried to give him, you know, that he tried to give him a hug and get romantic. And Damon was like, ah, 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 stop it right there. I'm about to go. <laughs> you do it too much. Um, which was kind of, I get it in that moment. But then previously Damon, um, was in the kitchen with Blanca and Blanca was like, Hmm, I see you, um, being a little bit more upbeat and you ain't staying in the room depressed about old boy 
<laughs> and so Damon was like, I can't believe somebody, um, I can't believe somebody who claims to love you um, could just move on so quick, which is kind of annoying in the way that the writers made them break up. Because if you remember, Damon was the one that said, I need to break. I need to focus on me. And and Ricky was like, please don't give up on us. So he's the, it's almost like he's doing the same thing. Because Ricky could be like, how can you have loved me and just gave up on us? <laughs> so quickly and so easily. Even if it's the right thing to do, you gave up on us. So, you know, you doing the same thing. So now you mad at me because I'm not running around, um, you know, sulking because you left me. No, fuck you. So I kind of sympathize with Ricky in that regards, in regards to the conversation about, you know, um, nigga, how the fuck you going to get mad because I'm not sulking? Bitch, you soak. I got my trade over here. Now it switches to them going back to getting the results of the um, audition. So they did not get the audition. They did not, neither one of them, I didn't, I knew they were going to get the audition because these are main characters. They can't, they're not about to go take their storyline to the Madonna tour. I didn't think that they were going to do that. But um, both of them did not make it to the, um, to the end. Both of them didn't miss, miss the audition. It was another guy that got it. But they did so good um, that the lady who recruited them was like, yo, I actually got another gig for y'all that y'all can go and audition. And, I'm, you know, I'm pretty sure that I'm going to, um, that y'all are going to make it. And I really want you to pay attention to that character, that woman. She, I don't remember her name. I don't think they gave her name. But the woman that was recruiting Ricky, I mean, Damon, when... Culture vultures, people who are coming and trying to use your talent and steal it for their personal gain, look exactly almost like talent scouts. Like it's um like you can't tell the difference. Somebody who is trying to come and steal your intellectual create or intellectual property or um, creativity. Um, somebody coming trying to steal it for the personal gain or somebody trying to give you an opportunity to build yourself up. They almost look exactly the same. Cause you like, you remember when we saw the lifetime show of um, TLC and how pebbles, she, how pebbles was depicted. Like you don't know if they're giving you an opportunity or they're trying to fucking use you. You don't really know in that beginning stages cause they look exactly the same. So I just kind of wanted to point that out. Um, so she was giving them an opportunity to get on Solid Gold. Solid Gold is a show that started in the early 80s. It was at first hosted by um, by Dionne Warwick, and then she left the show. It, it, it's a show, it's a precursor, like if, if I wanted to say, um, TRL and... 106 in Park, there would there would not be a TRL or 106 in Park if it wasn't a solid goal. So if you didn't get what that was, that's what it was. It's the precursor to that. Like solid gold crawled so that TRL and um 106 in Park could walk. <laughs> so um solid gold, it was they had dancers, they did a countdown for the um the music. And this particular one, this was a reboot 
of the show. But Solid Gold had like, um, like I said, Dionne Warwick was the very, very first host um, of the show. She ended up leaving, but she also ended up coming back. Um, some notable people that came out of the notoriety of Solid Gold would be Arsenio Hall. Arsenio Hall started off as like an in-house comedian for the Solid Gold um, show. But eventually, he actually became the co-host of Solid Gold. So Solid Gold, on its, on its, before its reboot, they had like puppets. Um, um, one of the popular puppets was Madam. Um... I always laugh at Madam because Madam looked like, to me, some all the trans girls who got bad silicone. It reminds me, Madam's face reminds me of that. <laughs> it's kind of shady, but but that's the truth. That it looks like somebody who's been pumped with bad silicone. Um, Madam, who else? So there was like skits and stuff. It wasn't just dancers or whatever. So, and Arsenio Hall was one of the comedians, the people who would, you know, come up with the skits, come up with the jokes, but he ended up becoming one of the hosts. Another person would be um, Lucinda Dickey. If you don't know who Lucinda Dickey is, she is an actor that was featured on Breaking. Breaking is an old 80s movie about breakdancing that was like a cult classic. It had Turbo. It had this curly-haired dude that I don't remember his name, and I think he was Latinx. Um, not one 100% for sure, but this black dude named Turbo, and they did like breakdancing, and he did the robot, and he was popular for doing like the robot dances. Um, if you remember something a little bit more recently, if you remember... Um, Genuine, which is, I don't know if that's recent, but Genuine did a did a, a song where he was working the, the treatment of the um of the song. He was working as a clerk in a like a corner store, like a poppy shop or like a bodega or a store. I don't know what you call your corner stores at, in your area. Um, but he was working at that and he comes out and he starts sweeping the street and then he starts dancing and like the broom is like moving in a certain way. That particular scene is a homage to Breaking because Turbo also did that scene in the movie and it was really popular in the 80s. It was cult classic. It's called Breaking. Check it out. It's based on breakdancing. So check it out. And Lucinda was the girl on the show. And she came from Solid Gold. So Solid Gold was a classic, 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 epic um, TV experience that um, made a mark on um, American pop culture society. So they don't get the Madonna Blonde Ambition Tour, but they do get the Solid Gold Dancer Reboot um, gig where they are able to dance and get experience and I'm sure um, Damon is going to be able to finish school <laughs> and um, the episode ends with Ricky trying to slide back into them DMs, slide back into Damon's heart and he's like I've changed, you're the only one for me you support me, you you, you do these things for me and Damon is like eh. <laughs> Uh, no, I think we are good how we are. <laughs> I think this particular episode was really, because it was Damon and Ricky, it really, really focused on dance and gave you a glimpse of what was going on 
in dance in New York City at the time. Um, and how there was literally a hustle out here for dancers in the same way that we got to and and how in the same way that we got people like Jennifer Lopez. Jennifer Lopez came out of that era of New York where she was a dancer. There was dancers, there was a career in dancing. Well, I don't see that that much now. And it be a part of culture and it be a part of um, like popular culture. Like I know it's dancers out here right now. Of course I know that, but it just doesn't seem as, um, you know, with like when we talk about like fame and we talk about just how the, there was tons of dancer people running around. There was tons of creatives running around. There was tons of artists and, I just don't see that nowadays in the same way. I just don't see dance being people's preferred choice of art. And may I don't know. I just I just don't see it as often as I imagine it was back then. Like run like I don't just run into somebody saying I'm a dancer. I don't just run into that. Um um I just don't. I just don't. So I don't know. Y'all tell me what y'all think about dance because I feel like this particular show, because it was this 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 narrative was revolving Damon and Ricky. Um, it was focused on dance and I really enjoyed it. Um it was definitely much, much it wasn't as dark as the last couple of episodes. <laughs> as um this was much light and fun and funny with Electra's stuff and then the romance of Damon and Ricky and um yeah I just thought I, I enjoyed this episode so I hope you guys are not disappointed with me by myself um Brian will be, be will be back um next week of course and we'll be back with the review of next week's episode all right have a wonderful day bye-bye well, that's it. Thank you for coming and getting a taste of Marsha's Plate. You can listen to us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Make sure you leave a review because we really need those five stars, y'all. And go like our Facebook page and leave some comments. We will be posting exclusive content every Thursday, so you definitely don't want to miss out. You can also follow us on Twitter and any other social media site at Marsha's Plate. If you'd like to donate or advertise with us, hit us up at diamondstyles at gmail.com. That's diamondstylz at gmail.com. And that's it for us, y'all. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. You going to say bye, Mia? Oh, bye, (laughs) (laughs) y'all. Every little thing's going to be.